0: We're in the studio here landscape alaska is back on the air this is conversations with alaskan gardeners and we're talking to people all over southeast alaska about landscaping and gardening mostly and about the weather the wonderful weather <laughs> it's yeah so hot yeah well you know what you got to do when it's like this
1: yeah go lay by the pool water your garden lake. you gotta
0: water your garden <laughs> you gotta water your garden we have all our crew has been just doing that this week. Water, 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 water. Well, we've of done some we've other done some other stuff. Yes, we have. Pretty big stuff. Pretty big renovations of existing older gardens that we put in 30 years ago. You know, if you if you don't stay on top of it, they get away from you.
1: Well, anyway, it's been a wonderful time, and the weather's fabulous. But you know, it's
0: time I need to go to be, on i
1: need to be in the shade drinking my iced tea
0: yes absolutely <laughs> so it's a call-in show nine oh seven five eight six one eight hundred we'll talk about whatever you like to talk about whatever kinds of horticultural and gardening questions you got and we're going to talk about what we want to talk about and one of the things i want to talk about is the fact that our son and our friends are at the public market at the jack today Loaded with nursery stock, and they have some really beautiful things.
1: Well, and it's the mid-season, at Landscape Alaska, it's the mid-season perennial sale.
0: 20% off on every perennial we've got.
1: And we have some really great perennials for the mid-season blooming time. Because a lot of people, by the time it gets to this time of the year, the end of July, uh, their gardens are bloomed out, unless they've, you know, been lucky enough to...
0: Plant some summer other, things. Uh-huh. And among the summer things, what are some of your favorite ones?
1: Well, the delphiniums are fabulous. You know, you do need to stake them, and you do, you know, have to be patient because they're so big. But uh, they're lovely. And and the astilbes, all the different kinds of astilbe are great. Um, but I, my favorite passion is the really dark pink phlox with the bright yellow yarrow those two in the garden and the roseanne geranium are that's a, hot, a great set it's a hot number uh-huh, those know? three
0: together just make oh they make you stop in your tracks and yes, pay attention that's right it's almost physical the uh the brightness of that particular combination
1: well for me i know that people love purple and i know that people like to plant purple but for me it recedes the kind of light we have here I mean this sunny stuff it'll show up in the garden but so much of our weather it's cloudy and it's filtered light that it recedes too much into the shadows so i pick colors that stand out no matter what the sun's doing
0: and it's true you know until you start paying attention to it and see what colors come forward in the landscape and what colors retreat you don't have any idea about that happening right and it makes a big difference when you're laying out your design if you want to have stuff that comes to you and makes it seem like it's, it's uh, happening right now in front of you, you wanna choose those really bright tones like that.
1: Well, yeah. it, it's, it all comes down to what people are sensitive to and what they're interested in. I'm just saying this is what I do. And I don't expect everybody to agree with me or even like it. <laughs> just, that's how it is. The other thing that's really great to have at this time, the bee balm is just getting started. And the dwarf bee balm we have at Landscape Alaska is really cool.
0: Yeah, it is bred. It's,
1: it's a bright pink.
0: Oh, it's such a good And it's a dwarf,
1: thing. so it doesn't get and too big. And fragrant.
0: Pink. Man, oh man.
1: It's really, really pretty.
0: So bee balm is a member of the mint family. So it's got all those aromatic parts to it. And the aroma it has the, is something totally different than mints.
1: And the uh, botanic name is Monarda.
0: Monarda de that's mm-hmm. right. And it is also the flavor of Earl Grey tea.
1: There you, you know, go. When
0: you, when you have a cup of Earl Grey tea and you smell the aroma coming from
1: it. I have it that's, every that's, morning. That's <laughs> that same
0: taste, same flavor.
1: So, so anyway, those are four really strong mid-season bloomers with the delphinium, if you like tall things in your garden, uh, it, it always kicks, kicks it up a notch. And, uh, and of course there's Ligularia, if you have a shady garden, it does a really nice job and is very sustainable.
0: And if you were to, uh, to cut back your bleeding hearts, so that are kind of tired now, what do you do with them?
1: Feed them and water them. Feed them and water them. And they'll come on again, and they'll they come they'll back
0: on again. do they? will bloom all fall. Yep. So if you take the bleeding heart that looks, the leaves are getting yellow, and it looks like it's finished flowering, and you cut it back to a couple inches and give it some food,
1: water, water it, in. it. Always water before you feed it. Boom ba boom ba.
0: She'll come right back and be back in bloom in just a couple of weeks.
1: They're incredibly vigorous. And they
0: look so soft and delicate. They get huge. They I mean do. you
1: you plant a bleeding heart in the border of your garden and get ready to give it you know five feet because it's the, how big it's gonna get
0: uh-huh and there's a there's uh the common bleeding heart has a pink and white flower but there's another one called ace of hearts or something like that that's red that's real red and real, there's real and red. there's a
1: pure white one
0: yes and there's a pure white one and there's a creeping form too
1: oh I didn't know about the creeping form but uh-huh. then there's also the the l- lacier leafed, smaller.
0: That one. Smaller. That's the one I'm talking about. Smaller, yeah. kind
1: of like a alpine flower.
0: Native in the western U.S. in the mountains.
1: Right, exactly. I've seen
0: it growing at 5,000 feet in the hot sun underneath pine trees. Well, you must have been dropped by a helicopter.
1: Oregon. I can't believe you. Well, it was a
0: long time ago. <laughs> You
1: and your cane it made it up to a five thousand feet. Oh, that's right. You
0: know, when I was a young man in the mountains of Oregon. There we go. That was then. So I was talking to uh, Stacy at Tyler Rental. Today.
1: Boy, have those tools that we used in Tim's yard—the chainsaw, the pruning devices, the, the
0: pruners—yeah, everything was just been so great. There's a line of battery-powered handheld tools that are. Then it's, of course, rechargeable batteries. There, you get a little charger for them. But they are, there's a, a handheld pruner, like a it little has, sickle bar.
1: That has two different cutting devices for it.
0: Right, it's a slick thing. Uh-huh. It'll cut through the spireas, so, so actually, let's go back to that one so now <laughs> is the time to just be pruning your spireas because all the flower heads are done right. and faded and brown and very unattractive so prune so you them take all this off little electric pruning thing in your hand it's like like uh clipping your dog's hair and zip right over the top of it and it's all smooth and comes off easily and you can reshape them real quickly it's a great little device.
1: Water them and feed them and they'll come on looking really pretty for fall because spireas have a beautiful fall color.
0: They do. And Tyler Reddell has these tools in stock and they have the, the little handy chainsaw too.
1: You know, when we go out on our jobs and we're doing maintenance and, and uh, heavy duty work in people's gardens, uh, we just take the chargers with us and plug them in. and I mean, the batteries are, are charged but we always carry more than one battery and we have backups there on the job site so we can just switch them out when we wear them out. And
0: just like the carpenters do with their drills and little handy saws. Exactly. All that battery powered stuff has come to be such a handy and, and uh, accepted part of your regimen.
1: Yeah, well anything that makes work easier, I'm completely there you for. There I'm <laughs> for that too.
0: So this is the time of year in the nursery business when people like us are putting in our orders for the following season. The growers have taken count of what they have in the field and they've made sure that how many they're gonna be able to, to put on the market. So they're accepting orders now. And people who have existing relationships with them are of course the first ones that get to put them in and that would be us. So we're ordering now for next season, rhododendrons, conifers, fruit trees,
1: Japanese maples. trees,
0: Japanese maples. And if you want to get some special stuff, or if you know you're going to need a bunch of something, then let us know so we can put the orders in and have them. The, the pressure on the nursery business has gotten so intense that they are not able to supply material in the middle of the summer many times.
1: Yeah. And um, it's, nice, it's nice to have your order in because... It's hard for us in the springtime to be able to add or add oh, on to yes. our orders. And, you know? and, you know, and like this, this year, is crazy. This year was really hard to have ground cover. I mean, it was really, really hard for us to get the uh, lingonberry native ground cover, and we had to search all over for it. And now we have a large supply, and it's, it's wonderful, and I'm glad. But uh, we're normally and two days could make uh, it go away. Uh, and normally, uh, we've always been able to get it just like we we couldn't buy any ajuga, we couldn't buy all kinds of decorative ground covers couldn't get get any cornus canadensis you know uh it's (laughs) nerve-wracking it is and it has
0: to do with supply and demand and and we are coming out out of the demanding
1: coming out of the pandemic a lot of people are gardening and and with weather like this they're also happy
0: they surely are so among the things that we we do bring, we always try some uh, experimental things. Every year we bring some new things to see how they're going to do.
1: Well, we brought uh, some nice uh, witch hazel this
0: year. Witch hazels we brought, which is something that has the earliest blooms of any shrub we know of. I think it will bloom. And Douglas, er- they're blooming in March.
1: I was going to say There's early, no early April. I know, but we're up a few more feet. Mm-hmm. So we're up on the mountaintop. So it it'll be a little slower where we are
0: there are some growing on the end of the fish and game building right in Douglas in Douglas when you go by there in this early springtime and there's a shrub with these bright yellow or bright orange blossoms on them that's called the witch hazel stop your car get out and go smell 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 them
1: yeah they really smell it's like
0: nothing else in the world it's so refreshing
1: yes it is it's great so um
0: (coughs) witch hazel that's what it's called and also we brought this year some uh, hardy hibiscus.
1: I don't know about that.
0: Well, I don't know either. That's why they <laughs> call it experimental. <laughs> so hardy hibiscus is like rosa Sharon, if you know what that is. It's common in the Midwest and in the in the. We had to take it South. down to
1: our peat pile and put it in there.
0: I like to have them in different parts of the town. I like to have someone buy one in Douglas, somebody buy one in the middle of the valley, somebody downtown. And, and see how well they do and if they're if they're an acceptable thing you know and they'll go through a couple winters then it becomes a common thing
1: well you know I would think with a hibiscus too it would be nice for it to be growing under an Eve just because the weather isn't well I don't know maybe our weather is gonna change it has all over the world but you know July it starts raining really hard usually and uh, things with big flowers need protection, just like peonies. You know, if you can give your peonies a little bit of protection, uh, they last a lot longer.
0: Way longer. That's you right. Know. And you know, they're they're something that blooms this time of year, and they're in full bloom right now. And right. boy, aren't they something else right now? Beautiful, beautiful. And here it is, no rain. This is the, the best peony weather we can have.
1: Right. Exactly. So uh, I have. I'm going to give a shout out to a, a gentleman that came to the nursery at the very beginning of the spring, sometime in May, and he was distressed that uh, he'd let his wife's favorite plant die. And I told him that I would resuscitate it and bring it back. And I have done that. Mm-hmm. And I have an ivy plant for you. I'm sorry, I've lost your name and phone number. <laughs> so I know if what you the if is. you can remember. If you remember this, I've got your plant waiting for you. Come get yep. it at Landscape Alaska.
0: And I hope you do remember because uh, it's looking real nice right now. Margaret's done a good job on that, and it's uh, it's so easy to lose stuff yep. so rapidly. You know, there's so much information flowing in all directions around us that it's. Uh, oh gosh, I wrote it down on a piece of paper.
1: So some of the things that we took down to the jack today uh, that was really exciting for me was besides the bee balm there was some flocks that went and the japonica primrose that blooms white
0: a white japonica primrose uh-huh wow, isn't that cool
1: it is cool and so you japonica know there's a half of dozen of them down there in gallon mm-hmm. cans that we grew and also some really nice delphinium in gallon cans
0: nice really nice, nice things and this is the right time to plant that kind of stuff absolutely so if you're a uh, a discriminating gardener you can go down and look at the the collection of perennials that connor and dj are selling this morning and uh if you're new to the world go and just feast your eyes on how cool they all look they just uh, they're vibrant with good health talking about vibrant with good health we have all these baby lilacs and baby hydrangeas yeah that are new varieties. We, we buy them out of the Canadian produ- production line because we can get to new stuff faster than going through the domestic world.
1: Well, they come little and we move them up into bigger cans, and, uh, but they're very healthy and look really they vigorous. Have,
0: and they're right at, uh, at the perfect stage for moving into your yard because they're at full growth right now.
1: And they're affordable.
0: Well, I mean, that's a big I mean, part <laughs> you can buy them little you can buy several and put them together so that in
1: in a couple of years just you a have couple years shoes. you got a grove right
0: you looking know? like it's one that's right and uh the lilacs there are some incredibly purple ones really really dark purple ones the darkest we've ever had contact with
1: and what's its name do you remember
0: the beauty of Agincourt. there you go very french well, Agincourt's kind of a, if you're French, you probably don't say it very often because that's when the English beat the French with the long bow against the armor.
1: Oh, there we go. Uh,
0: the Battle of Agincourt. It was Henry the, uh, probably Henry VIII. You know, I, I don't remember that part. <laughs> all I can remember is the Shakespearean play, that one. So, uh, invasive plants. Oh, I also. want to talk
1: about the bugs. Please you do. You know, there are so many aphids out there right now of all kinds. And people don't know what to do about them but those little uh, insect cards that you have with the little eggs on them they go right to town they I mean right to in town. 48 no, they hours they're eating all those aphids
0: so what Margaret's talking about we have uh, a contact that is a uh, predatory insect razor and she has this product that has The eggs of the uh, a thing called a green lacewing and the adult eats aphids too but nothing like the larvae do and the larvae when they hatch out of the eggs they look like little crocodiles with great big teeth (laughs) you always give this description I see (laughs) I look at them golly they you look at them under a, a lens of some kind or if you focus down on them really close they are astounding to watch. And they just go right to town eating them. You take the little card and you hang it on your pansy plant or your pepper plant or whatever it is. The bugs don't fly. These bugs don't fly. They creep around. They creep
1: around but they and come, they, they, they
0: come right off. They're hatching out. You know, every hour there's more hatching out of it.
1: Well, you know, aphids always attack roses. And we had some roses that had aphids. Well, they don't have aphids anymore. They have those little cards with those, what, 500 that yeah, comes five hundred eggs on a card. Yeah, uh-huh, you you. little tiny card, and uh,
0: we're sending them all over southeast too. It's we put them really in the mail remarkable, and they'll come right to you in just a couple of days. And they they arrive here on Thursdays, and we send them out on uh, in the mail Saturdays, and they come to you on Tuesdays, and you got them, and they start hatching right away. Hang them up in your greenhouse, put them on your favorite plants. And they'll go right to work.
1: It's so great not to use chemicals. I mean, not that we ever did, but, you know, we, everybody says, well, use soapy water. Well, yeah, you can use soapy water, but it, oh, it's only so good. It's not that great. So, uh, And it's
0: hard. And I mean, it takes a lot of time to do that. Put the little bugs out, that doesn't take much time. You let them do the work. Right. I'm thrilled with it. So uh, among the, the new ones that we have, not only are there the purple lilacs, but there's a new kind of, of hydrangea. And this one's called Skyfall. And the flowers on it look astounding. They're, they're white, they don't turn dark red, they stay white. Real, real crisp looking. And the flowers are huge. That'd the flowers be nice. are longer than my hand is. And, uh, and it's about as big around as my hand can hold. So they're
1: the hydrangeas uber. are
0: blooming right now. Absolutely booming. Oh, yes, they are. Yeah, they're beautiful. And uh, the ones that you planted around the state capitol building, they're cracking open right as we speak. I looked at it the other day. Only the first ones were open. I bet that that, that they're way open now.
1: This heat makes flowers bloom. And this is the time of year, and they bloom until, you know, it freezes. They're really...
0: Isn't that cool?
1: Without turning brown. You know, Uh you think about all the flowers that you plant, and then as soon as it starts raining or blowing or whatever it does they start turning brown and get defeated. But the hydrangea, and same with the roseanne geranium, they just take a beating and just sit there smiling through it all.
0: Uh, The same with the climbing hydrangea, too. Doesn't, Doesn't fall apart due to weather, stays beautiful and gets big. Really big. Really big and really fast. So our friends plant them at the base of their spruce trees
1: and let the vine
0: climb up the spruce tree. It really looks cool like that.
1: So, if you planted a climbing hydrangea on the face of a wall, if you were up behind the wall and laid it down, would it go down? Would it only go up?
0: No, I think it only goes up. I think that. That's, some
1: things uh, will go down. Right, some things
0: will go down, but, but the hydrangea has that urge to climb. And that urge to climb is so strong, it'll just turn right around. I planted them at, uh, on, on concrete walls, and they just stick right to it. They send their branches out. They don't send any branches pointing down, but they radiate out upon the walls. I did the same thing in a a rock quarry, like surface, where it was all broken rock behind a building, and uh, there was not even a place to plant. It was just a a ditch cut in the rock. (laughs) And so I took... uh, You
1: think about the jobs we've had. Holy moly. uh,
0: That's right. I took uh, (laughs) landscape fabric and rolled it like a taco around nice rich potting soil something that the the hydrangea and is it like still alive oh god it's growing like mad
1: i'll have that's to go four look four years
0: it. later it's just it's uh this is behind
1: the john Pugh hall right
0: that's right it's easily 10 times larger than it was i
1: remember when you were talking about it and i thought oh this is never gonna work but,
0: but it I, works, i'm so glad it, it, it did just great yeah and so so the i don't know how long it will work you know 20 years maybe Maybe 30 years, I don't know whether you'll have to add more soil to it or what. But it looks great, absolutely great now.
1: You could probably just open up the burrito and dump a whole bunch of soil on it and it would just do fine. Yep. And they're pretty vigorous.
0: Mm-hmm. Really, really vigorous. So vigorous you don't want to plant them on your house. Right. So one thing I really noticed in the last few days was the, the plants that, as we're watering, the plants that have watering basins that are easy enough to get water to, and the plants that don't have watering basins make it much more difficult. So if you water a plant and it's just coming straight out of the ground and there's no impediment around it to make the water sink down down. into the ground, it's just gonna roll off, particularly if the the soil's really dry. It's gonna bead up and roll away.
1: It's kind of like if you think about flour on a counter and you drop water on it, it beads right up. You know what I mean? That, that's kind of how watering is, because a lot of gardens, too have bark, and bark, once dry, repels the water. so you have to slowly get everything wet and then be able to water deeply. And in slow water rather than fast water. Absolutely. Because and, if you pour too much on it, it just goes down and out, not down deep enough.
0: Right. So. I got you. Uh, you want to contribute something here? You have any opinions or questions? 907 uh, 586 Everybody's too busy today. They are out and about.
1: That's right. They're So fun. you notice
0: that there's a state initiative to uh, remove choke cherries from the landscape. Right. Because they're, uh, they're turning out to be so invasive. They find them everywhere. Deep in the forest, they find them... The little seeds get dropped by the birds, and they are everywhere. So there is a program. If you've got them sprouting up in your yard, contact the Forest Service. See what they are offering there. They'll probably send somebody over to take care of them. Uh, We still have one, and I have to take it out this week.
1: Well, or get somebody to take it out.
0: It's a pretty big one. Yeah, it is. no doubt. So invasive species are quite a thing You know, I've, I've looked at a, a lot of sites lately A lot of people's yards, a lot of industrial sites And there are a few bad actors out there Things that once they get started It's really, really hard to get rid of them There's a call uh, Good morning Hey, good morning uh, I really appreciate your show Even though some of the things I don't understand I appreciate it and, uh, <laughs> always, always learn something So thank you guys Sure. Uh, but anyway, I've got a rhododendron that uh, has been in a pot outside my house for many years. He makes buds, but he doesn't go any further than that. No um, flowers? I, uh, no flowers ever come out. So I know you said something about fertilizing them or, or yeah. feeding them, feed the yeah. rhododendron. So uh, I was wondering when and how to do that. The rhododendron growers say if you, have, you have to fertilize before the 4th of July. And that's, oh. for, that's for flowers in the following year not for this very season so oh, really? the way the the plant cycle works is that the buds form if they're flowering buds you know and they make their flower then uh, right after that the new growth starts right below the flower and mm. if, it's do- if it doesn't have enough of the, the phosphorus and potash in its system then it'll just make leaves and it won't make flower buds but it makes the flower buds it's making them right now for next year so the if you look at the new growth coming out on the on it if the end bud is a little tiny bud then it's just going to be a leaf and if the end bud is a big fat bud then it's most likely going to be a
1: flower but okay one of the things i want to say it, even if it's too late to get it to form flowers for next year i'd go ahead and feed it oh heck yes <laughs> and you'll be then in the cycle for the following year to be able to start having flowers and mm-hmm. if you look
0: around at the places that sell fertilizer you're going to want to get something that's got a self-fertilizer by three numbers like 8 32 16 or yeah. 10 10 10. you want something that's got high in the middle now that's your clue but no matter what give it something
1: yeah and about how much would you give it of uh, of what fertilizer like a 923 or 10 How big or, how big a pot is it in Oh, I'd call it a 5 gallon pot. Okay. So uh So
0: you'd use a about, tablespoon? Yeah, about a tablespoon of fertilizer on the
1: around the outside oh, really? edges of your your uh pot and be mm-hmm. sure to water it well before so it doesn't burn dry roots because rhododendrons are surface feeders. And they mm-hmm. have really fine hair roots all over in the soil that are hard to see so mm. you want to water it first and then feed it and water it again okay okay I hope and it works. like a 10 10 10 fertilizer
0: or yeah or you know what else you can do if you got it just got one plant in a pot go to uh, like the home depot and get uh, a liquid fertilizer that's for blooming plants okay and uh, that's real easy to put on you put a tablespoon and a gallon of water and uh Pour it right in there. Okay. It's right up. All right, wonderful. Cool. Thank you so much. Talk Thanks for calling. Bye. And and that's
1: brings up my next point. Is we need to feed our yaku yakusimena that's in the box. And we need to take it out of the box.
0: We have a <laughs> 50-year-old rhododendron in a big box, a big wooden box. I bought it to show off how this plant how big this plant would get after 50 years, because it's a dwarf plant. It's not very large. You know, I mean, it's it's, well, it's not substantial. As big, it's,
1: it's not as big as the cast iron hybrids, as they call them, but That's right. uh, still.
0: It's, it's it, lo- much larger than I can put my arms around. Right. And, right, okay, I'll do it this week. I'll feed it this week. No question.
1: And start taking the box part. Well. We'll, we'll bring our soil up. Okay. Okay. So. uh,
0: It's always a constant negotiation. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. We only
1: have one minute
0: left, Dave. Okay. Well, so the vacation's
1: over, huh? Vacation's over. (laughs) Okay. Time to get back to work. Okay.
0: So, uh, uh, Landscape Alaska is open today on the Back Loop Road and also down at the Jack. And we have our Midsummer Perennial Sale, 20% off on all the perennial stock. And look at our website at the catalog, online catalog. Our son brought us into the modern world. You can buy stuff online through our catalog. And we have not by, not by any means is all the material in the catalog. You know, there's always stuff that doesn't quite make it in. But a pretty good amount is, and it's, a, it's really a nice tool. We're sending stuff all over the state from this, this system, and we're really thrilled with it. So this is Margaret Tharp and David Lundrum from Landscape Alaska. And we're wishing you all happy gardening.